Hello and welcome to The Shadow from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, that hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, A Gift of Murder. <laughs> December, a fine flurry of snow is just beginning to fall from the darkening sky as a smartly dressed young woman knocks on the heavy door of Gerald Covington's country estate. Surprised to see me back, sir? Delighted to see you, miss, and I know your brother will be overjoyed. Come in, come in. Mr. Gerald was saying only last week that he hopes to get back from Europe in time for the party tonight. Party? Did you say party? Yes, miss. A party here? A little gathering in keeping with this glad season. As I remember, Gerald, he considers all things equally glum. I, uh, know, Miss, but this, you see, is in honor of your Aunt Francis. In honor of Aunt Francis? Do you mean to tell me that Gerald is giving a party for Aunt Francis? Indeed, Miss. What? Where is he? In the drawing room, trimming the Christmas tree. Trimming the... This I've got to see. Happy surprise, I can't tell you. A Christmas tree? Yes, I did it all myself. And presents? For your Aunt Francis. It is so strange, Eva, that I should want our aunt to have a lovely tree. Yes. My dear Aunt Francis is 72 years old. We may not have her with us long. Darling, last year she was 71, which isn't precisely adolescent. And all she got for Christmas was a dozen handkerchiefs and a cold in the head. Well, this year, things are somewhat different. So I noticed. Last time I was in touch with this little family circle, you and Clyde hated Aunt Francis like death and taxes. You may speak for our brother Clyde, but as for me, I've always adored the dear old home. Really? Really. Shall I show you what I have for her? Do. So, an antique music box. The sort of thing she loves. And in solid gold. Isn't it charming? God rest you, merry gentlemen. Expensive item, I'd say. I paid $500 for it, but nothing too good for dear old Aunt Francis. <laughs> It isn't possible, is it, that Aunt Francis has come into money? Well, well that is... She has. Well, the truth is an old admirer of hers, and Mr. Onslow Fraser remembered her in his will. How distinctly did he remember her, Gerald? Quite distinctly, Eva. She's inheriting a million dollars. Oh. And when did you hear of it? Only yesterday. Mr. Elcott 
Clooney, member of the firm of Elkhart, Elkhart and Ravine in Boston, brought us to me. Now I see it all. The tree, the presents, the parties. You're competing with Clyde for Aunt Frances as a person. I am only trying to brighten the end of her life. You are only trying to become the chief beneficiary of her will. Nonsense. Quite sure I will be a beneficiary, as you will either. So I doubt that Clyde will benefit very much, if at all. Why not? I'll tell you why not. It's amusing, really. Quite amusing. Day before yesterday, before Mr. Elkhart appeared, of course, Clyde was unfortunate enough to have written me a certain letter. Letter? A letter, my dear, suggesting that we put Aunt Frances in an old woman's home. No. Yes. <laughs> I have the fatal bit of correspondence. Keeping it carefully. And when Aunt Frances lays eyes on it, I shouldn't be surprised if she cuts Clyde out altogether. And you're going to let her lay eyes on it, of course. What do you think? Does Clyde know you do? Oh, my, yes. He's been on the phone for the past two days, begging and threatening my life by turns. Clyde is not a man to let himself be pushed too far, Gerald. I'll risk his love. I must go upstairs and wrap the music box for Aunt Frances. If the guests arrive, you'll greet them for me, won't you? He's coming. The principal of the family, Clyde and our dear aunt. And possibly the lawyer, Mr. Elkhart. Anyone else? Just that young couple Aunt Frances is so fond of. Mr. Cranston and Margot Lynch. Yes, she likes them. And it's my desire to please her, you know. You bet I know. I'll be down in a moment. Oh, let me see. This white piece of paper I think to be sitting. And the... White red ribbon for the holiday touch. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, come in. I'll be finished with this wrapping in a moment. Oh, there, now, I think this makes a very charming little gift, don't you? I said, don't you? I said... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're warm, too. One of Mr. Clyde's brand. 
cried, Mr. Jack. He looked angry. But when I tried to stop it, he said he had to see Mr. Gerald on a matter of great urgency. What sort of matter? Something about a letter. A letter? Yes, there was a letter. Gerald told me about it just before he came upstairs. It must have been somewhere in the study. Oh, on the desk. But he was keeping it to hold over Clyde's head. Yes, here it is. I'm afraid I'm a little baffled. Oh, it's only too simple. In this letter, Clyde suggested putting Aunt Francis in an old woman's home. What? But Aunt Francis just inherited a fortune. This letter was written day before yesterday. It wasn't until the next day that Mr. Elkhart appeared with the news about Aunt Zofraser's will. But it's perfectly obvious what happened, isn't it? Mr. Clyde killed Mr. Gerald to get the letter back. But if he did, why didn't he take the letter with him? It's probably because you two came running too quickly. Yes. And not having gotten the letter, don't you think Clyde may still be somewhere in this house, waiting his chance? If he is, I suggest back to be very careful. I sure. You know too much, and he knows you do. You think he just killed one man, hasn't he? Listen. Someone moving about downstairs. Clyde, what are you going to do, Lamont? Don't worry, darling. Who's down there? Who is it? Answer me, or I'll shoot. You wouldn't do the defenseless old woman, would you? I'm sure you have to see. I can't. Thank Lamont. Let's go down before she comes up and sees me. Go ahead, darling. I'll join you in a moment. Hello, Aunt Francis. Eva, just what are you talking about, Eva? A letter, Clyde. 
A letter that you wrote Gerald day before yesterday. I never wrote Gerald a letter. Oh, no? How peculiar. And I have it right here, signed by you. May I see that? No, you may not. May I see that, Eva? You may not, May guide. I see it now, Eva? Oh, Mr. Covington. You've got to go. Clive. Hand it over. Come on. Give it to me. Thank you. Clive, what's the meaning of this? There's no time to explain just now, Aunt Francis. I must go. However, I beg you not to believe any of the poisonous lies these people may tell you about me behind my back. I want you to know that I do wish you the very merriest... Ah, drop it! Don't go on me! Drop it! Drop it! Pick up that gun, Baxter. Yes, sir. What do I do now? Take Mr. Clyde up to the study and hold him there until the police arrive. That's right. There's been a murder, and we're holding the culprit under guard. Yes, I suggest you get here as fast as you can. Are the police coming, Mr. Preston? Immediately, Mr. Elcott. I'm sorry I had to spoil your Christmas party like this, Aunt Francis. Oh, my dear, you have no choice. Aunt Francis. Yes, my dear? We found this upstairs. A little remembrance that Gerald bought for you. A music star. And a very lovely one. Listen. Oh, how charming. A milk with gold. A gift for a golden-haired lady. What did he say, Mr. Elcott? Mr. Johnson! Mr. Johnson! Come out! That came from the back of the house. Clive. He's killed Baxter. Come on, Margot. Baxter! 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 I'm all right, McLean. Oh. Though I can't say as much for my prisoner. Clive. He tried to escape, sir. He was forced to shoot. Tried to escape. How could he try to escape with you standing over him with a gun? I don't know, sir. But he did. And since the two of us were all alone here, I'm afraid, Mr. Cranston, you will just have to take my word for it. the shot from the rear of the Covington mansion, they found Baxter standing over Clyde Covington, a smoking revolver in his hand. A few moments later, in the massive entrance foyer. He killed Clyde deliberately, Lamont. I'm sure Baxter shot him in cold blood. I rather agree with you, Martha. But why? Possibly because Clyde had an alibi. An alibi Baxter didn't want him to use. Mm. I mean that Clyde may have not come to this house at all earlier in the evening. Not even to get the letter? He wasn't the only person who might have been interested in getting that letter, Margot. No? No. Baxter could have used it nicely to hold over Clyde's head as long as Aunt Francis lived. Bleeding him with a nice sum in the process. I see what you mean. And it may have been Baxter who killed Gerald, too. I don't know. It's only a theory. Theories worth a visit from the shadow. Who's in this pantry? It is I, Baxter. Who spoke? 
There's nobody here. Oh, yes, there is, Baxter. The shadow is here. The shadow? Standing right at your elbow. You can't see me, but I'm here. Here to see justice is done, Baxter. What's happening to me? My mind is slipping. I want the truth, Baxter. Go away. Go away. Not until you tell me why you killed Gerald Covington. Leave me alone. Please, please. I didn't kill Mr. Gerald. You can't lie your way out of murder. I didn't kill him. That's not what I've lied about. What have you lied about? Nothing. The truth? I lied about him. About the man coming in before Mr. Gerald was killed. Yes? It wasn't Mr. Clyde. No, then who was he? Will you let me alone if I tell you? Yes. All right, then. It was... Is that all right? Yes, the bullet grazed his skull. He's unconscious, but he'll live. Mm-hmm. I left him in the library. This case is getting more confusing every minute. Yes, isn't it? Take Mr. Elcott, for instance. I don't understand his position in this little mystery at all. Well, what do you mean? You remember what he said when I gave Aunt Francis a little gold music box? Yes, he, he said a, a proper gift for a golden-haired lady. Exactly. How does he know Aunt Francis had golden hair? It has been snow white for the past 20 years. Interesting question. And very confusing. It's all confusing. Margot. Yes? Whose overcoat is this hanging in the hall, please? Well, I don't know. If it isn't yours, it must be Mr. Elcott. Elcott? Why? I just saw this sticking out of the pocket. Cried glitter. Doing Mr. Grab is in the confusion. You know, it's just possible that our dignified old friend also saw the value in holding it over Clyde's head. Of course. After all, what do we really know about? Not much. We're going to find out. Operator. Um, I want to make a long distance call to Boston, Massachusetts. To what number, please? Oh, I don't know the number. It's the law firm of Elcott, Elcott, and uh Eugene. And Eugene. Yes, sir. Place the call and ring you back. And make it fast, please. Yes, sir. And what do you really think? Time has come to stop thinking, Margot. We're on the verge of the kind of discovery that cracks the case wide open. Yes. Look, I want you to go into the drawing room. Elcott will be there. Yes. I'll tell you exactly what I want you to do. When you get in. Lying down upstairs. She's had more excitement than she can very well stand. Sit down, Miss Lane. Thank you. Miss Eva and I were just saying that this case is becoming quite perplexing. It is indeed. This attack on Baxter is the most puzzling thing of all. Now that Clyde is dead, who could have done it? I don't know, but there's certainly no doubt that Clyde's guilty of Gerald's murder. Baxter saw him run up to Gerald's study just before Gerald was killed. I'm afraid that's not true, Mr. Elcott. Baxter admitted he was lying about that just before he was wounded. Is that so? But there's that cigar, the one that Miss Eva saw in the ashtray. Didn't that belong to Clyde? Yes, Mr. Alcott, it did. Even had his initials on the band. You really think Clyde would have been foolish enough to leave a piece of evidence like that behind, Mr. Alcott? Well, what... What are you suggesting, Miss Lane? 
I'm suggesting that with Clyde out of the way, the margin of guilt is narrowed down pretty closely, Mr. Elkhart. To me, Miss Lane? Yes. But to I... you. I've been with Aunt Frances all afternoon. I was with her at the moment when Mr. Gerald was murdered. Can you prove that? Of course I can. Aunt Frances is right upstairs. You had my permission to ask her. Then it wasn't you? Obviously not. And obviously, Miss Lane... You can now draw the logical conclusion. Yes. I'm afraid we can. Before you do, put up your hand. Eva! Put that gun away. I'm sorry, Mr. Elcott. I'm really quite sorry that you two, who aren't members of this greedy little family, had to stumble on the truth. Do you think you'll get away with this? I can try. There's a very slim chance that you'll succeed. For a million dollars, I'll take a very slim chance. The telephone. Sit right where you are. I'll answer it. Hello? There just put in a call to the law firm in Boston, Massachusetts. Yes. We checked very carefully, Miss. There's no such firm listed. What? There is no firm of Elkhart, Elkhart, and Duveen. What's the matter? Who are you, Elkhart? I'm almost sorry for you, Miss Eva. There is no firm of Elkhart, Elkhart, and Duveen. I know. And there's no million dollars. What? But you came here about Onslow Fraser's will. And Onslow Fraser never made a will. In fact, Onslow Fraser isn't even dead. Although just at this moment he almost wishes he were. Then you... Yes, I'm Fraser. Oh, I think I begin to see. I fell in love with Anne Francis years ago, when she was as young as you are tonight, Miss Lane. And I never fell out of love with her. Why did you have to pretend to us that she was inheriting a million? Why? Because I knew how dismally you and Clyde and Gerald had treated her. I had no money to help her with myself. And then the idea came to me, I could make it appear that she'd become an heiress. And then depend on your greed and deceit to provide her with at least one really merry Christmas. A very sweet idea, but... But a very dismal failure, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so, too. I'm afraid there'll still have to be two more murders before the party's over. Eva! There may not be a million dollars, but I still have my life to think of. Don't you realize the police are on their way? But they're not here yet, and I have a gun, and the door is open. What was that? Who closed that door? I did, Eva. <laughs> Eva Covington of the murder of her brother Gerald. It's a lie. A lie. You can't prove it. I can prove you contrived a neat little plot to murder Gerald. To convince the world that Clyde had murdered him for an incriminating letter. No. You took Baxter in on your plan, promising him a part of the million dollars you hoped to get. That's why Baxter killed Clyde when he realized he could easily alibi his way out of the charge. How do you know all this? The shadow knows. When I confronted Baxter and was about to get the truth out of him, it was you who shot him to save your own skin. And I still have a skin to save. Either you open that door or I pull this trigger. Don't be a fool. I warned you. Let Stop that gun. Drop it. Drop it. Let me go. Let me go. As you please, Miss Eva. She's going out of the window. Yes, Mr. Elcott. <laughs> Straight into the arms of the police. I picked it up and hidden it so that Aunt Frances wouldn't see it, Miss Lane. Here it is. Frances. Yes? I want you to know how sorry I am. Sorry? Why? I've made a tragic mistake. 
The gift of Christmas that I tried to give you turned out to be the gift of murder. Not really, Andre. But Clyde and Gerald are dead. It was their own greed and ruthlessness that brought about their death. I decide the world's better off without either of them. Much better. Nevertheless, I'm sorry. Who shouldn't be? You've made me very rich. But the million dollars wasn't real, Francis. Oh, it isn't a million that's made me rich. It's your kindness and remembrance and the love of your heart. That's real, isn't it? Yes. Then, Angelo. My dear? Must it be that far? Francis. You mean... I'm alone, and so are you. My darling. Oh, what do you know? It looks like it'll be a merry Christmas after you. With many more to come. you enjoyed this program from radioclassics.com programs are copyright their respective owners all rights reserved